Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm JP, as always with me, my fearless co-host Joe. Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet. And Marcus. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the men's room. <laughs> Whatever happened to your awful squirrel thing? That was the plan. Oh, we'll do. We'll do oh, that that was, that's your mic check. That's my mic check. Okay. Uh, yes. Today we are talking about Trixie Dynamite by Ben Schwartz. Now, Marcus, you were the one that brought this to our attention. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Trixie? Uh, Trixie Dynamite is a futuristic. I don't know if you would even call her a superhero. She kind of just she's a. Uh, doesn't have any superpowers, but she has a planetary defender of exactly. Sacramentopolis. <laughs> Sacramentopolis. <Son of> <laughs> and each issue of Trixie is going to have three stories in it. He actually hires... Yeah, they're all like three short stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he different hires... Artists, too, different right? set of artists. Different artists, different pencilers, uh, inkers, letterers, I, I think. No, it's all the same letterer in this one. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, he writes the entire thing himself. You know, it's hard to find good comedic comics nowadays, and this one sure. I enjoy for a good chuckle. Oh, yeah. It was very entertaining. Absolutely. Definitely. I don't really know how to sum it up, though. It's, uh... Yeah, it's... Sacramentopolis, free California, 2113. The last hundred years have been pretty rough. Receiving confirmation that we are not alone by way of alien artifacts. Then, quickly afterwards, the declaration of a United States monarchy for the people's safety, of course. Civil war, the plague unleashed on the free states, and the great earthquakes. As if all that wasn't enough, hovering above us always, the imminent alien invasion. Fortunately, the good people of the world had a hero. Someone who put their own best interests to the backseat. Someone who made sure that, at the end of the day, the tide was turning in the favor of good. Max Dynamite was the first to wear the suit. For 100 years, it has been passed down to his heirs. Twelve heroes later, you have me, Trixie. Does that, does that work? That, that works pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Text from the second story. Text from the second story. Also, that information is available on their Facebook page, which ah. yeah, which you can find at facebook.com forward slash Trixie. That's spelled T-R-I-X-I-E. Trixie Dynamite Comic. Which Okay, so I want to start by saying that um, the, the writer, Ben, is awesome because not only does he write his own comics, he has several titles that he's writing and he hires artists, so he's supporting the artist community right now. That's awesome. He also, his store has a pretty nice sized indie section where you had told me about Sado Cat and I was actually able to go into the store and pick up a copy See, that's, of that's Sado really Cat. cool and that's know. that's rare it's not easy to find a store that really supports the independent comics community mostly no. because most people aren't really into buying that you know and so a store even if they like independent comics like here at Waterfront Comics you know John John has some indie comics but it's like it doesn't sell very well typically because exactly. people don't come in here thinking like, I'm going to find some random indie comic to look at. Cause that's not the attitude of your average Wednesday comic book day person. Exactly. They come in normally looking for specific titles. Exactly. We're not exactly in a metropolitan sort of area either. Or a Sacramentopolin. Sacramentopolin. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So Trixie, Trixie, you can actually, is Trixie only available at Empire? Or uh, Empire's comic book? I haven't seen it anywhere else. I mean, I know he sells it at the cons, so if you're anywhere... Yeah, I, I didn't area. see anywhere to buy it online, and you know that may be incorrect. And uh, Ben, uh, uh, if you listen to this, let us know, and we will make sure to adjust the show notes to reflect where you can purchase it online. But I didn't see anywhere in the thumbing around that I did on the ECB Press website and uh, and Facebook and Twitter for, for this comic, unfortunately. I know, like, uh, some printers will... Uh link you to a site where you can buy it uh, print on demand like Malaman for example if you print through Kablam they have a, a sister site called uh, Indie, Indie Planet. Planet 
and you can buy all the issues that you printed through them on that website. Right, Comixology does the same kind of, not Comixology, Comics Press does the same thing. Yeah, and I know yeah. Ben prints through RA printers in uh, Sacramento, and I'm not sure if they have that link up yet, or any anywhere you can buy it online. So Trixie Dynamite is published by ECV Press, that stands for Empire's Comic Vault, which is a excellent comic shop over in Sacramento, which is the uh, the early version of Sacramentopolis, evidently. <laughs> and uh, Empire is really, really a great spot. They support the hell out of the comic book community over there, especially mm -hmm. the indie comic artists and and uh, writers and just all that. It's a really good spot. Do you a can, lot of creative events. Absolutely. Like you can find the uh, ECV Press at ecvpress.com and follow them on Twitter at ECV Press. And if you want to check out the actual site for the comic book store, then you can go to empires, plural, cv.com. Or go to their shop on Empire in Sacramento. <laughs> Appropriately named. Yeah. yeah. So, as we always do, why don't we go ahead and break it up into two parts? First, let's start with the story. So, Marcus, since, then, since you brought this one into the Geek Life fold, why don't you start with this? Okay, well, uh, he basically, he, he breaks it down between the villains for the th uh, three stories in this first one. Um, we see a lot of villains. Yeah. If this is the format he's going to stick with, he's going to have a really great rogues gallery in, in no time. <laughs> I can imagine an awesome poster with just tons of enemies and all I, that. Oh, no mm. kidding. So my favorite is uh, the first of the three stories where he where she goes up against uh, Black Betty, who is a <laughs> Black Betty, uh, a mm -hmm. Bo Peep type character who has with three a, sheep with different powers. Yeah, they're each. genetically modified sheep. One of them's like a ghost sheep. One of them is mm. super like a rubbery. One of them is a giant, powerful ram. Mm. And Trixie's the kind of hero where she, you know, she has a purpose, but she's just so fumbling and, and not quite on the ball that she's just kind of getting it handed to her for the majority of this story. And oh, she uh, totally does not come out on top in that first that first no, couple pages. No, not at all. She gets her ass kicked, which and, she promptly blames on having the wrong gear. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Forgot her. It's like if gun. I had my good boots, you <laughs> wouldn't stand a chance. This I would had be different. My ray gun today. I didn't have my ray gun today. <laughs> The second How do you story, leave the space station without your ray gun? Yeah, what is honestly? going on here? Come on. You actually, you want to do one story each? What, what did you think about the second story going into that one? Oh, well, actually, I had a lot of thoughts about all of them. So instead of going straight into just talking about and recounting the story, I wanted to talk about some of the things that, or how the stories landed on me. Okay. I think as a whole, this comic is a perfect example of a why not comic. It's completely wacky. Really, completely wacky. Great. Uh, and could easily have been, you know, brushed aside as maybe too strange by a less confident writer or a less skillful writer. But, you know, the beauty of Ben's writing is that, you know, in Trixie's world, as insane as it is, it works. It works really well. It's genuinely funny, has likable characters, and especially a very, very likable main character. Mm -hmm. You know, you get right behind Trixie and enjoy having her, you know, as the center of attention immediately. Exactly. She's, got, she's got kind of that, like, screen presence of a good actor almost, but mm -hmm. in the comic book form. But I just, I guess, piggybacking on that idea, it's just, it's great because the the comic is so just insanely crazy with very creative and weird villains and situations that she gets into. And the comic doesn't bat an eye and just keeps on rocking and does a really yeah. good job of just being, being like, we talk about that a lot, you know, the why not, you know, surround mm -hmm. yourself with why not people. And, and that's the beauty of comics is that comics can get away with crazy, wacky ass worlds and just not be busy worrying about, is this feasible? Would this work? It's just fun because you can get away with shit like this. Yeah. And it's a blast. It is. I love the pacing of this. It's quick. This book. From okay. like, seriously, the first two panels. She's pushing through crowds, running into a store to get a squeaky toy to save the world. <laughs> uh, yes. It just, it jumps in. Yeah, like, it right jumps away. in and it doesn't A squeaky stop. toy to defeat Cerberus, the evil three-headed dog from Dimension P, 
P stands for puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm noticing a lot of puppy flavored villains. Uh, yeah. in a, in the the Pugrenaut. And now, if you know anything about Ben, he actually has a pug that runs around his store whenever oh, he's there. Oh, really? Rolly. Okay. It is so a, he's taking from life. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> nice, this nice, is this nice. is based on a true story now, <laughs> loosely based. So you're saying he's he left his poor poor pug by the river? Oh, he would never do that. <laughs> this, uh, you just imagine the pug slamming in the front door of of Empire Comics. <laughs> you left me in the rain. Yeah, no. Ah. It's cool. To I want to know like, where he got his special powers, the pug or not. I know. And the thing is that is there's there, room it, for backstory and a lot of the villains oh, yeah. too. Like, mm-hmm. I want an action figure of the pug or not. Right? Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> You need to get a 3D printer and just make sell them an empire. I mean, that's one of the things that works so great about this comic is that it has such interesting and diverse enemies. Yeah. You know, that like you said, there's just a great rogues gallery. You know, you get Black Betty, the Pugranaut, Cerberus from Dimension P, mm. you know. What is the name of the the villain from the third story? Did you oh. catch that? I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. The little tiny baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, <laughs> whose dad was a retired supervillain. Enough said. Which is right? great. I, I love that the enemy in the third one is like the descendant of a previous enemy that immediately without any illustration or exposition is like there is a long running history and story here you know Mm -hmm. alluding to there being that you know i guess the 11 previous heroes that she's you know in the lineage of Mm -hmm. you know it it makes sense instead of it all being just focused on trixie and the current guys having history there even if they don't really go deeply into it it, like it helps you know round the world out and make it believable that oh this superhero thing and her family and lineage has been going on for a long time you know yeah actually we should just probably mention something if you hear raindrops or something like that it's very possible that you're hearing actual rain <laughs> it's not me crying over mellow man sales don't worry <laughs> it's no, me it... crying over mellow man <laughs> now we have uh, we have a little vent that goes up to the roof and, and when it rains that you get that metallic pit pop mm-hmm. sometimes so if you've ever listened to the outtakes, that's also where we get the train sound. Train break. Yep. I wanted to just stop and talk a little bit about some of the the details that are put in, especially in the pet shop one, the first issue. I love how the pet shop has a vicious animal section. Oh, yeah. Like just, oh, by the way, when <laughs> I was t- writing that, Joe, I wrote shark. vicious as vicious. <laughs> I can't write it correctly anymore, which is Joe's like, you, you know, name for, you know, gaming and stuff. <laughs> yeah. At least two generations of my family have used our last name, which looks and sounds much like the word vicious as a pseudonym yeah i sound way more tough than i actually am. i like when she no one fucks with joe vicious <laughs> i like when she jumps into the shark tank and the janitor's just like oh well, i've never not... seen someone do that before well and and then there's a freaking shark tank at a pet shop yeah. the shark, oh, shark today... tank it's like for today only yeah. sharks on sales like what yeah. did you guys notice that when she went into the uh, vicious animal section that it wasn't like a bunch of like angry dogs and snakes, although there were some of those, mm-hmm. but like the, the dangerous ones, like an owl with this like death stare, a squirrel wielding an axe, a rabbit with a bear trap, turtle with rat poison on his back. And then I'm pretty confident I saw a crab carrying around a fishbowl with a piranha in it. That's it's like they were all having just like, you know, weapons and shit. They wasn't, it was, <laughs> you know, it's like vicious animals as in like they're viciously going to yeah, screw like you up. Not crocodiles like, and. Right. Yeah. You're thinking predators and it's like mm. the squirrel is going to ax you in the face. They're just mean. <laughs> right. They're just mean. These angry. squirrels are mean. <laughs> and, and when you're talking about the guys that work at the pet shop, did you see towards the end when she gets tased by the pet shop security? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
What kind of a pet shop has security? That's one so that has great. vicious animals and a one shark. One that has vicious bit. animals and a shark, too. Yeah. yeah, and tasers. And they have the, the little doggy biscuit logo on their hat. Mm-hmm. I love it's Just, just that, in case the crowd gets uppity, they got the tasers at the ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a really, it's really funny. You know, it, it, all of that is just more examples of that why not comic storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, which works really well. And the pet shop is just so ridiculously wacky and hilarious. It's very, very funny. The second story is it all takes place on Trixie's spaceship. It has kind of a mystery science theater 3000 sort of feel. It does. You know, it of, reminded me, you know, it reminded me of, of Joel and Tom Servo hanging out up there. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely want, I mean, we're going to talk about this when we get to the art, but I love the fact that there's just stuff floating oh, around. Junk? Yeah. And it looks like an actual girl's bedroom. Exactly. <laughs> just like floating in the air. Yeah. There's like a tea. Yeah. There's a BLT. Yeah, pizza. Clothes. Socks. Yeah. And this introduces her, uh, I guess would be sidekick Chip, Chip who is a robot, robot who yeah. looks very similar to, to the Wally. old Nintendo um, or Wally. Yeah. I was gonna say the Nintendo robot that you could use back with the NES. You know, it's she. She immediately reminded me of uh, of Crow T Robot from the from Mystery Science Theater three thousand, but has kind of more of a personality of Tom. Mm. I'm a huge fan of that. So, that's, oh, yeah. but it's just it, it's great because it's like you know she's up in space with this robot, and the robot's sort of snarky, and definitely has a bit of a personality. Do you remember, do you recognize, I want to say in the third one, she puts the robot in a relatively dangerous situation, and the robot's like, if I could, pre- if I was programmed to, I would hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good writing. I mean, the, the dialogue, I, I feel like I know Trixie's personality really well yeah, from these definitely, stories. Yeah. Definitely. And to be able to give a character that sort of personality from three short stories combined into one comic is a testament to you know Ben's writing ability. Mm-hmm. The dialogue just is really solid. Definitely, uh, you got, like we've said a thousand times already, th- solid villains, and then with the action that takes place and how quick that reads, you would think that it would be hard to sort of get character out of that. Um, but there's so much character. It, there's so really much so much. I mean, you learn about why it is, or that there's like backstory between Black Black what Black, is it? Black Betty, Black right? Betty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not just like, you're a villain and I'm a good guy and we're going to fight now. Yeah. She's like, they oh, I hated you ever since we were in grade school together. I believe kindergarten. Yeah, the bad southern accent. Oh, yeah. But apparently, I guess she was a, Black Betty's another hero. But oh, they're what? like rivals. Oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of what I got out Because at the end, yeah, know, they're Black Betty uses the squeaky toy to save to the world. To save the world. Oh, you're right. That's true. That's true. That's true. I like how, you know, in the end, she basically gets tasered in that one. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Let's get and her then, out of and here. It, well, and, they're, and they're like, yeah, let's get her out of here. So she stops bothering, you know, the other the other paying customers. Upstanding and they're like, they're like, like Black Betty. Yeah, like Black Betty. Yeah, like Black Betty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Black Betty was actually the good guy in that one. Kind of. She comes smashing in there trying to steal a toy. I love how she steals a toy and then runs up to the front and is like, "You need to give this to me. I'm trying to save the city." It's like, or you could have just turned down, ran out the door, but no. <laughs> well, she, you know, she's a superhero. She's so. super. She has to do the right she thing. She has to have permission to get it for free. She had to have permission to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you try that in the Iron Man story, they don't like that. It's true. I've learned. It's true. It's only a dollar. Come on. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear that probably our favorite one is that first one. The first one, definitely. You know, although yeah, the Pugranaut is yeah. a very close second. The, the Pugranaut chasing her slowly through the halls of her space station. Yeah. Right, because they do this close in the Pugranaut, right? It sort when of lo- looks yeah, like the Juggernaut like, from X-Men. Yeah, right? when he blows in through the airlock, I am the Pugranaut. Then, like, two panels there, he's up to her shin. He's like a little tiny yeah. pug. He's a pug. He's an actual pug size, <laughs> except on his back legs. 
and he like he takes off running and one of the juggernauts things is he runs fast and smashes through stuff right mm-hmm. and you know she like zips around the ship and is waiting for him in an airlock and they have to like wait there and they're like i'm bored i'm gonna make some popcorn <laughs> <laughs> well any any other final thoughts about the the story of trixie dynamite Not really. no, no i mean it's it's pretty solid yeah it's it hard is, to sign to, to very entertaining in that armor that's really really well done definitely yeah you can tell that ben has read a lot of comics <laughs> yes yes like he he gets how it's supposed to be paced mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's really the flow really of it is great absolutely yeah. something you'd expect from a guy who owns a comic book true well why don't we take a quick musical break when we get back we'll get into the art of trixie dynamite you're listening to geek life stick with us Welcome back to Geek Life. We're going to jump into the art of Trixie Dynamite. But first, this podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can visit audibletrial.com forward slash geek life and get your free audiobook download. You can pick from their insanely huge catalog of over 100,000 books and download them on pretty much any device that you can shake a stick at. It's really just a great service. And, and you know, pretty much all of the Geek Life guys use it. And so you- Joe recently. Uh, actually, on the way over to the comic book shop on Comic Book Wednesday this past week, we were talking about this book. So what was it that you were listening to recently? Have a recommendation for everybody? So I had just finished The Wizard of Oz, as read by Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, really? Yeah. Catwoman reads The Wizard of Oz. All right. You would be amazed how well she is reading this. That's she awesome. does voices for every single character, even the side characters that show up with one line. Does she her does a, her male voices sound kind of funny? Like oh, no, I'm a she isn't. Like I've read, or I've. Li- <laughs> <laughs> I'm Anne Hathaway's Tin Man. Uh, I'm a lion. Oh, Anne Hathaway's lion. That's it. That's, that's it. it. We need to have you voice something sometime. <laughs> I'll read Wizard of Oz, guys. Next podcast is gonna be me reading Wizard of Oz. All the voices. <laughs> No, no, we need to have you do the ma- uh, the Panda Piece Theater of Wesley Crusher Teenage Sex Machine. Mm. Done. <laughs> Done. Oh, I'm Wesley Crusher. <laughs> I like how they all sound the same. 
<laughs> so anyway, so you're saying right. Anne Hathaway just kills it with she this does. Wizard of Oz reading. I've listened to books narrated by women trying to do, you know, stronger men characters, and they have the I'm a big strong man voice, just like that. And she's not doing it. She's actually evoking different sort of attitudes for these different characters. That's cool. That's so cool. The line a well-voiced book makes a huge yeah. difference. It really does. I heard that the guys that did Harry Potter are pretty spot on. They do a different voice for every single character. Is it the well, guys or the guy? The guy. Wow. From nice. what I hear. It's quite um, a talent, really. Mm-hmm. Voice acting is unbelievably impressive, I think. I was listening to Stephen King's um, The Duma Key, and whenever the guy did women's voices it was it was kind of comical mm. yeah that happens sometimes i've heard those too but no hathaway is really killing it well done hathaway and if you've never read the wizard of oz there's a lot different it's pretty dark right it is so dark like the, can you, like like the tin the man the tin man story like oh. why he's tin yeah he fell on me yeah he fell in love with the munchkin girl but the munchkin girl's evil stepmom didn't want her to leave home and run away with the woodsman. So she goes to the Wicked Witch. Wicked Witch puts a curse on his axe. So the next time he swings his axe, chops his leg off. His own leg off. His own leg off. Ouch. So the tinsmith in town's like, oh, I'll fix you up a new leg. Makes him a new leg. Ends up getting the other leg, both his arms, his head, and then finally chops his heart in half for the last one. That's why he doesn't have a heart. Oh. And so he replaces his heart just a big empty shell now and he just stands out there and chops wood all day he doesn't love anything anymore is there any point in this audiobook where the director's son hangs himself in the background uh Can you hear like rope snapping <laughs> no no special effect that's so that's interesting it is that kind of darker tone sort of throughout the it rest is of the story very pervasive really because i mean we all grew up watching the movie yeah the and we we're like oh we've seen to, that you yeah. know the woodsman has to kill like an army of wolves Dang. That attack them. The How, lion. Is this a long one or pretty short? It's like three hours. Oh, it's a quick one. But yeah, it's, it's barely longer than the movie. But you, there's a huge difference in it. Uh, but you recognize everything from from the movie. It kind of it still evokes the movie, hmm. but gives you such a richer story. That's interesting. So that was The Wizard of Oz, as read by Anne Hathaway, written by L. Baum. L. Baum. L. Baum. <laughs> Sounds more like a Mexican wrestler, but L initial bomb, B A U M. That is a actually a really good recommendation. Thank you for that, Joe. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's always fun to find out that classic stories that you feel like you know mm-hmm. their origins, especially like Grimm's ter- tales and things like that. You know, they're very different. The origins tend to yeah. be much darker. It sounded like you just said Grimm's Terror Tales. <laughs> they are kind of Terror Tales, but I meant to Grimm's say Grimm's Tales. Terror Tales. You know, I'm listening to Peter Pan right now. Tim Curry reading. Nice. Oh, that's got to be fantastic. It's fantastic. It's but man, Peter Pan is just a vile little character. Really? He basically kidnaps the Darling family. Dang. Hmm. <laughs> so you basically really what you're doing different. is you're just ruining your childhood right now. I am. You're like, oh, it's great. I, <laughs> I feel so grown up now. No uh, wonder everyone's worried about taxes all the time. I want to read the Power Rangers audiobook and see what they mess up there. It's so much darker. It's so much uh, darker. Sure. <laughs> they were all Black Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then The Wizard of Oz, as read by Anne Hathaway, is an excellent, excellent recommendation, Joe. I think it would be a good place for you guys to start. But then again, that's not the only choice on Audible, obviously. There's so many good choices, so... We do highly recommend you guys go check out their site, and you can get a free audiobook 
If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life, we'll have a link in the show notes for you guys. Not to mention 30% off the rest oh, of their that's catalog. Right. Yeah, you get you get a free one month subscription, which means that you get 30% off of anything else that you happen to be interested in, catch your eye. And it can be kind of a deep, dark rabbit hole that you go down because mm-hmm. you get one and it's like people who bought this, bought this. And you're like, no. Oh. And then pretty soon all you do is sit in your house and listen to audiobooks. It's like, oh, $10? And then you'll have to have that awkward moment when you start reading audiobooks regularly, listening to audiobooks. See, I'm listening to audiobooks regularly where you're like, I read this. I mean, I listened to this. I mean, what am I supposed to say there? Uh-huh. So you're always constantly I'm absorbing that. this. I'm absorbing. I always say I read this, even if it was on a movie. That way I feel smarter. <laughs> Marcus has it figured out. I read that Batman really likes Rachel. And then he gets upset when the Joker takes him. I read that. Mm-hmm. It happens. Mm, yeah. Rachel. Are we done? Can we trust them? Are you gargling marbles right now? <laughs> this is my movie. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So, uh, like we said earlier, we were talking about Trixie Dynamite by Ben Schwartz. And did anybody else immediately think of the Schwartz when you read that? Because that's exactly what I went to. All right. I'm just a bad. <laughs> you're, I'm you're just in a league of your own. I'm just there. a terrible, terrible person. Okay. <laughs> so, the art of Trixie, Trixie Dynamite. It's interesting because it's three different sets of artists it's not like one artist per book you know it seems like especially with independent comic books it's the writer and then hiring an artist that's pretty common a lot of the time the the artist is also the writer Mm -hmm. but it's pretty rare to see like a whole team of people working on something you know let alone a book that has like three teams of people although i think the final one it's just art pie right yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna hand this over i I just want to see so you can pronounce these names <clears throat> All right, oh, welcome boy. to the name butchering section of the podcast. It needs its own theme. Okay. All right, in story one, written by Ben Schwartz, pencils by Mauro Riefschneider. That's not bad. Not bad. Inks by Christian Cerda, colors by Alfredo Reguiano. How do you spell that? R E G U E I R O. I feel like the way you pronounced it, there had to be at least three umlauts in there somewhere. (laughs) Reguero. Alfredo Reguero. Letters by Kurt Hathaway. All right. Number two is obviously, again, Ben Schwartz. Pencils by Alexander Regsack. Inks by Jason Enos. Colors by... (laughs) 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 That's all you, Joe. All right. Colors by... There's so many consonants. I don't know what to do. Uh, Abdul, Abdul, Abdul. We're not Kadir. making fun of you guys. Seriously, it's just like yeah, this is something we stumble across every time. Abdul Kadir Fed, Federico, Abdul Kadir Federico, That's and letters again by Kurt Hathaway. Okay, so now it's your turn. Oh, you get the gonna, easy one. Is this the easy one? It is. There's only one artist. Yeah, but look at the name. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me let me study this for a quick second. No, you gotta just do it. Come on. Emiliano Erdinola. That's not that bad. Er, Erdinola. There's no want there. <laughs> Emiliano, you're the man. Uh, and letters by the lesser-known brother of Anne Hathaway, Kurt. Um, so yeah, lots so of thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Marcus. You're welcome. Little sideshow there. I just want. I, you know, I want the artist. Uh, I want the artist to be. Known. No, it's really important, and, and and it's unfair because a lot of the time it's such and such by the writer, and then the artists don't get a lot of credit, which isn't fair. At all. Unless you're John Romita. True. 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 Which <laughs> we, me and Joe discovered today that I don't know anything about comics because I have been doing self-portraits 
this month uh, in the style of a different artist every day. And I was like, I'm going to do a self-portrait this uh, one of these days in the style of my, uh, Mark Millar, not knowing that he's the writer, <laughs> not the artist. <laughs> that's that's pretty great. I'm a tool. <laughs> you know, it's interesting spotlighting an independent comic that has so many different artists on the project. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. You know, I think it's like by the very nature of it being a short story format, it works really well to have different artists for each story. But um, at the same time, it kind of can feel a little fragmented because typically, even if the artist is changing, it's on a issue by issue basis where yeah. it's the artist is the same team for the whole issue. You know, it doesn't switch halfway through, which is kind of awkward at times. It works. It's not it's not like it gets in the way of the storytelling at all, but it is kind of like, whoa, yeah. you know, 10 pages into, you know, a 30 page ish comic. It's like, oh, all of a sudden it's a whole completely different look to them, even though it's the same characters, you know, yeah. so it. It just, it raises the question, it's like, you know, how, how do we want to look at it? You know, because are we looking at it, you know, as the art individually, or are we looking at it as sort of Ben's vision for the characters realized through the lens of a bunch of different artists? Because it's like a lot of different oh. artistic sensibilities put there, but there's very clearly the same characters, the same universe, the same palette even. You yeah. Know? So it's just, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot well, of... Well, I'll bet that Ben got to dictate the list. Oh, absolutely. Like the color palette. Absolutely. But that's what I'm saying is so interesting because a lot of the time, if it's an artist and a writer, and then that's it. You have no idea where the artistic influence of the writer ends, really, because it could be a pretty loose script and then it could be a very, very detailed and clear picture. And I think what's really neat and really highlights how much of an excellent writer and how much of a clear vision Ben had for this comic, because the characters look the same yeah. and the universe is the same. There's definitely emphasis placed on making it look correct, making it look yeah. kind of like similar throughout the whole thing so that it's not as jarring. Because, you know, you can't get around it being kind of like, it's a little different, mm -hmm. but it works. It doesn't feel awkward, really. Yeah. Like, at best, there's a, a subtle difference in, in the style. Like, there's still a lot of really busy backgrounds, a lot of vibrant colors, good contours. You know, the character designs are just a hair different. That yeah. was the only thing that actually alerted me that, oh, yeah. there's different artists. Yeah. Yeah. Because Trixie looks different in the beginning of the second bit, story. Yeah. I feel like, uh, particularly in the, in the second, well, it's the first and the second one, she has extremely bold facial expressions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in uh, the third one, a lot of the, the faces, you know, look sort of the same. But what, just looking, leaping through the pages, I feel like Ben must have talked to the artist and said, okay, I want all of you to just put an amazing amount of detail into everything. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody succeeded. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I got. So out of. much stuff going on. In the background. Yeah, the final page of the first short story, ha you know, kind of brought forth a little, a little bit of a Jeff Darrow kind of feel to it. You know. Yeah. Speaking of the through lines, there, the character designs are really excellent. You know, Trixie is adorable. You know, in her brightly mm -hmm. colored yellow flight suit with a huge pigtail. Right. Just the, I mean, the comically oversized pigtails. Mm -hmm. You know, all the way to like the rocket shoes, and you know, it's just it's an imaginative character design. It's really fun to see in action, and I think that the long long pigtails works great it makes me think of other characters that have sort of long flowing you know fabric like a scarf or a cape or something you know that'll, right that allows yeah. for really dynamic reactive sort of auxiliary costume stuff in in really you know mm. fast moving interesting action scenes you know it's an, another tool to be able to illustrate things happening how quickly it's happening you know depending on how her hair reacts because it's all this sort of just you know flexible you know material yeah. as far as physics go how fast she's moving what you know if she's turning if she just made a loop the hair can be kind of making like a hook sort of motion yeah. like it's just they're, a they're really great design lines. choice yeah absolutely they're built in speed line that's perfect <laughs> yeah that's perfect i mean it's, it reminds me of uh i think of daredevil and spider-man in the yeah. webs and trixie's and, and always his... in motion always mm -hmm. 
What weapon? What is that weapon that Daredevil has? Oh, the Billy Clubs. The Billy Clubs with the with the. Uh-huh. I almost said string. The Billy Clubs with the string on them. Mm-hmm. The very long nunchucks. They're all over the place in in Grace Blast pages of, of those two characters, and mm-hmm. it's something that I've always really enjoyed, and that it's mimicked in in all the Tracy Dynamite. Almost every panel, she, her hair is all over the place. I like that her hair just goes through the space helmet too. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. and somehow she doesn't suffocate. Yeah, <laughs> she Comic must have a physics. very good conditioner. All the artists are very talented in this, but I would say probably my favorite would be uh, Mauro Rieschneider, who did pencils, and then in the first one, with uh, Christian Serta providing the inks, and Alfredo Ruggiero, good lord, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, on colors. That first short story in the issue, I think, is probably my favorite art yeah. out of all of them. I wish, yeah, I like that one a lot. And it is interesting because the only real through line, save obviously the writing, through all of them, visually, is the letterer. And it's kind of cool because you know, lettering, I think, is an underappreciated medium, but it is important. And it's great because it, it like kind of creates an artistic through line between all three, you know, so that the whole issue has a similar sort of consistency as far as that goes. And there's at least one thing that is actually the same person with this exact same artistic sensibilities and experiences doing it just the same way. Like, I really feel like that yeah. helps to pull it together. And if there was really a dramatic looking different fonts and nah, 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 and all that sort of stuff that a letter is responsible for, it can really dramatically change the feel of something. Even if it's something that all often takes that often takes sort of a backseat, mm-hmm. it's kind of great to be able to see it be the same through all of them. You know, it's nice to have that sort of a consistency you know it'd be like yeah. having the inker the same but the penciler stay different yeah you know it's like that there's something about having a similarity through all of them just helps make it a little bit smoother of a transition because it's a little bit of a bumpy road going from artist to artist each time especially with yeah. such short stories it's like bam 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 you're hit with different things every time i you know i was i was watching the one of my kids favorite cartoons this morning the latest episode of randy cunningham the ninth grade ninja and I got curious, so I started wigging it. Why do I think I'd like that show a lot? <laughs> uh, well, the the common theme throughout that, you know, the character design is done by the guy that did Invader Zim. Do you guys know his so name? So lots of sharp uh, angles and... Jonan Vasquez. Yes, yes. Johnny the Hano Cytomaniac! Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the character design is awesome in, yeah. that, in that cartoon. And what I noticed about the Wikipedia page was that you have several writers, but because you have his character design, the, the common ground is sort of the artwork going throughout right. and then the writing right. and the directing is completely different whereas this is like the reverse of that where the writing is all ben but the visual style slightly changes through every story yeah hmm. i know i've said it before on the podcast if you're a long-time listener i apologize and bear with me but this i really isn't about hatching no it's not about hatching or <laughs> screen tones i screen swear tones or japan. no i do have a japan thing later <laughs> <laughs> what i was going to say is that it can be a little bit drawing to have, you know, a different artist throughout. And obviously, I, I mean, I really crave to have the same team through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a luxury that we don't often get in American comics or independent comics because, you know, you, you got to get the story out. You know, you got to get the art out. And so sometimes it's just like, let's just make this happen. You know, Marcus has struggled through a bunch of different uh, toners. You know, it's like and it's like the integrity of the of the story and, you know, getting the comic out into the hands of the fans can sometimes be more important than getting it to be the exact same perfect look every single time yeah. from the same team, you know? And so it's like, you know, I understand where they're coming from, but obviously I would prefer it to be all of everybody, you know, the yeah. same group, but, but it works. It's, it's, it's not, I guess something that I'm learning to get more comfortable with, you know, American comic 10 grand just did that, that to me, which is really rough because it has oh. one of my favorite artists, Ben Temple Smith started out as 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And I want to say issue four or five, he, you know, was unable to continue. And it's just like, no, I mean, the new art is great. And if it started like that, I probably would really like it. Although I don't know if I would have been so obsessed with it, but it's just like, why 
wanted to be the same. Yeah, Shazumski and Temple Smith. It was like crack. For me. <laughs> it was so good. I I don't know the names because so J. Michael because you're a lot. poser. I don't know, really what I'm happens. A comic book poser. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot. unless their first names are pepperoni pizza. I'm not going to pay attention. Yeah. Um, J. Michael ah, Straczynski uh, wrote almost all of Babylon Five. The, he's a name that you really what you need to TV do is you need to Babylon listen to the Four J's podcast and then you'll mm-hmm. get some learning. I feel like I need flashcards at this point. Mm-hmm. He wrote the script for the Thor movie. He's he's big into TV movies and comic books. Incredibly talented. Really excellent. I think what I was leaning into was I wanted to talk about Kirkman's The Walking Dead because I loved the first artist. I mm. loved the first artist and he was only there for one or two issues or something yeah, like that. Yeah, not long. And then they, they couldn't wait for his production time and they went with the new guy. And everyone seems to also like the new guy, but I thought the, the first guy, <laughs> guy number one, Mm-hmm. was just so good yeah going back to the consistencies throughout the entire thing it's nice because uh especially the palette this comic has a great like very primary colors palette you know she's mm-hmm. yellow she's always flying in the blue sky there's always red accents everywhere it works really really well the one scene that really comes to mind is on the second page of the final short story where she just crash landed in the back of a garbage of a, of a garbage truck <laughs> and it's like from down up and so she's in her yellow suit the red red truck is i mean the red dump truck is framing her it's and then the it's red, against red the truck. blue what we'll call it the red red the truck. red red truck and it's just framed against this great blue blue sky and it's just a, like perfect like primary colors look it's a really interesting very on purpose palette it looks really good and it's super sharp and just poppy it works great it's got gray gray trash can uh, trash bags <laughs> and green green trash bags in there it's it, it's beautiful such an asshole. <laughs> I don't see I'm any an orange, asshole, orange, asshole. or purple, purple. No, there's a there's an orange, orange cone. There's a yellow, yellow droid head that looks like C-3PO almost. <laughs> and for some reason, it has this crazy robot arm. Yeah, it looks like this, like the front of something from Outlaw Star. Uh, the the final thing I wanted to bring up that was a good artistically, God, that was a good show. Can we talk for a second about gigantic robotic rock'em sock'em robots? Yes. Oh no, they're not rock'em sock'em robots. They're Dukem. Dukem, Dukem Duckum? Is that? Dukem Deckum. It says something here. That's avoiding some. Uh, <laughs> what is it called? Deckum Duckum Robots. Deckum Duckum Robots. Was there anything else you guys want to talk about artistically? That, Just like, how awesome the giant battling robots were. Yeah. That, yeah, that was really that was really my, my point. I'm it? actually kind of sad that one of their heads didn't pop up. I was hoping for I that know, the whole right? time. Yeah. I mean, you think three stories, three villains. But if you really look at it, you've got more than that. You have Black Betty. You have and Cerberus. And Cerberus. You have the Puggernaut. The Puggernaut. You have the robots. You have the baby. You have the baby's uh, father. It's 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 just loaded full of characters, and it's mm-hmm. done in a way that it gives you. It feels like a real as... living city with lots of different people, not just you know a snapshot Truman Show world created specifically for the story. It works really mm-hmm. well. Um, I had one final thought. This is the Japanese one, so prepare yourself. No, uh, I had one final thought about the art, and I was wanting to say that this has a wonderful sense of motion in the comics. It really does. Yeah, It's something that a lot of the time, especially independent comics, there's a sort of awkward stiffness to action scenes, and this is very successful in its motion. All of the artists do a great job of that. And and she's always flying around, fighting, you know, emoting in these exaggerated poses and facial expressions and stuff. But the it's just a great example of that term, a Japanese term called genga, G-E-N-G-A, for those of you that would like to look it up. And it's a term for keyframes. So it was originally used for animation. 
But in comic books, it's a term that basically means it's the pose you choose. Because when you're animating something, you have keyframes and then you have in-between frames, right? And so like the, you know, the kind of the, the muckety-muck important artist tends to do the keyframes. And those are, you know, between like three and five frames. Those like every three or five frames, that's typically when that happens. Then you have the in-betweeners, which is where you get that term tweening for all of you guys that do any kind of animation on the computer. So it's cool because in comics, it's relevant that... To have that sense of motion and the dy dynamism that's so important for having a single shot that really describes an exciting scene, it's cool because you have to basically choose the most possible, the most dynamic and important possible piece of that movement. And so it, you basically only get to draw keyframes in comics. If you draw anything else in between, it, it has a sort of stiff, awkward, unpleasant look to it. You know, when someone's flying through the air and it's like it's wildly dynamic. Mm-hmm. A good example is pretty much all of Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man is like Genga to the nth degree because she's so aerial and so acrobatic that it gives her an opportunity to have these amazing poses, you know? So anyway, yeah, just stopping midair, hair yep. flying all over the place. Yep, it works really well. And the sort of scandalous shirt, skirt, skirt that like never shows anything, but it's always like almost. Like in the, the red, red uh, trash truck. Page. Yeah, with a well, there's, there's always something just barely covering. Convenient green, green uh, trash bag covering <laughs> what you need. Wait, it, there, is what you need. it is what you need. <laughs> there are orange-orange lights what on you the back need? of it. What thing. am I talking about? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> There's still no purple-purple in there. There is no purple-purple. Purple. you people. <laughs> so, just wrapping it up, any final thoughts about the comic, you guys? Art-wise, art story-wise, anything? There's nothing in this comic that's not kid-friendly, I, I I don't think. That's true. I, I think mm -hmm. it, this is actually it's cool because I uh, enjoyed it a lot, but I could also... You could just put this in the hand of my kids and yeah. be like, yeah. have fun. It's, it's no a bad language. Hero. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's no true. bad language. The I can't violence is all. Comic. It even has a little bit of a heartfelt moment with the Pugranauts backstory. It's yeah. really sad. It is. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for today, you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklifepanamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can go to our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Marcus the Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to see you next time, Marcus? Is that's what, it, that's what it means. Oh, is that what that oh, means? Yeah.
Can Transformers have kids? It sounds like uh, dubstep when they're fucking. That's what's happening. Decepticons. <laughs> We've made more. That's what's really happening. Skrillex doesn't do any of that. He's just playing a tape. And what he has back at home is he's captured two. He's <laughs> just spraying them with like Transformer aphrodisiacs. He's like, make sweet Transformer sex. The world loves Transformer sex.